Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the upcoming. Doctors, lawyers, entrepreneurs, it doesn't matter. We're here to talk about all the best and the brightest as they make their way to their dream careers. I'm your host, Jonathan Carr. Join me as we have a spectacular conversation with an equally spectacular person. You ready? Let's go. Hello, world, and welcome to the 20th episode of The Upcoming. We have done it, folks. 20 episodes so far, and we are about to have a very special guest. This 20th episode is going to be a great one. So, uh, who is this that would has joined the 20th episode of The Upcoming? Well, I'll tell you. This is a young girl straight out of the Bronx, New York, who is already making strides into the literary um, arts. So. She is the author of her own poetry book, Letters from Across the Way, which you can find on Lulu.com. And she's now writing her own plays, which I expect to be on Broadway someday. And now she's here to discuss those topics and the importance of Black artists and just the how essential it is to embrace the creativity inside of you. And now that guest is here. Ladies and gentlemen, London Miller. How's it going, London? It's going okay. How's it going for you? It's going fine. Another beautiful day out here in uh, California, and I imagine it's pretty, pretty good, pretty nice looking out there in the Bronx, isn't it? It's really cold. It's like forty degrees today. It's really, really not too pretty, but it's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's November, so always has to be cold, doesn't it, New York? Well, that's okay. We're indoors and. We're able to talk now, so let's let's get to it. London, as always with the upcoming, I allow my guests to introduce themselves. So in your own words, who and what exactly are you? Uh, my name is London Miller. I'm a playwright and a storyteller and an actor. Um, and yeah, I think those, those are my three big things. I'm, I'm a storyteller, a playwright, and an actor. I think those all kind of coincide and go together in their own ways and all of them have like subcategories of who I am but those are like the, the three big topics for me and who I am a playwright storyteller and an actor interesting so now let's dive into those three things starting with where it all began uh when did you realize that you wanted to do those things and just tell your own stories um, I think when I was super young, I always loved kind of being on some type of stage, whether that stage was just like a living room or like an actual one. Um, and then I think it really hit me that I, I really loved theater and just like that type of art when I believe it was third grade, I saw my first Broadway show, uh, Matilda the Musical at the Schubert Theater. And I went with for a class trip and I remember sitting there and just kind of, you know, Matilda's a show that has a lot of kids. And I remember sitting there and watching these kids that were maybe a little younger than me or about my age, like just doing this thing that like I really love. And I was like, oh, my God, I could probably do that, too. And then I just started doing it. And from that point on, I just kind of let myself engage in whatever activities um, that involved theater or telling those kind of stories on a platform. Um, and I kind of never stopped since. Wow. 
Wow. That's so interesting how all that's worked out. So can you tell us the experience of writing your first play and what you were feeling around that time? Yeah. Um, so I, you know, in my school, there's like a lot of um, different classes you could take with acting. And then there's also kind of this mandatory criteria of taking one, at least one playwriting class by the time you get to your 10th grade year. And I took a playwriting class and it was just kind of, you know, when I walking into it, I, I was obviously excited because I love to write and I love to, you know, tell stories, but I never had really pushed myself to do that like full on. So walking into it, I just kind of, you know, every assignment was write this scene, right? A scene that has has these elements of playwriting in it, or write the scene that has this type of character. And after a while, the scenes, the separate scenes I were writing started to become kind of part of one big story. And I just kind of kept writing and I built on that story that I didn't know I was creating at first. Um, and by the time it was done, I had had this whole thing just sitting in front of me. And um, basically the entire playwriting course culminates in you submit your full play into this uh and we had like a playwriting festival where we and this was all online so virtually we got to present our plays on a youtube live i think it was and then the next step would be hopefully your play would be chosen to be published in a um anthology of different plays from different kids around the city and my play ended up getting picked and it was super exciting. And it was the first play I had ever had published. And it was, I was something I was super proud of. That is so cool. That is so cool. That's just got to bring like just a huge sense of like confidence and just accomplishment when you uh, found out that you were selected, you know? And, but you know, once you reach that peak, were there ever a time where you just like, you just wanted to just like stop and just be like, wait, this just, this just doesn't feel like me anymore. Um, I don't think I ever reached that point. I think there was a point where I was like, okay, I told this really great story and I really love it. Now, what is the next story I'm supposed to tell? I think that was, that was my point was like, cool, this story's done, and I'm super proud of it. It was a beautiful, beautiful story that I think I told, and I, I was able to cast the people that I wanted in it and get, like, just have mostly full creative control over this thing. And once it was done, it was, at that point, I was just kind of like, okay, I know I want to do this again. I know I want to write another story, this time a longer story, because that original play was only about 10 minutes because that that was the parameters of the assignment and but I know but I knew then I wanted to write something longer and like an actual play and I wanted that I guess that was my point was like what is the next story I want to tell what things do I look into next um because I, I tend to write a lot of stories about mental health and mental illness because I think that's a super important those are super important stories to talk about with empathy and with uh understanding and I don't see um a lot of those especially not from perspective of black creators so I wanted to write more of those and explore different topics that aren't typically explored within the black community and so yeah that was my next point was like what other thing do I explore next 
Wow. What other thing do I explore next? And I noticed that same um, topic of mental health in describing as one of the keywords of your book, um, Letters from Across the Way. So I definitely see that you have a big emphasis on the importance of mental health awareness. So have you ever had any like personal or real life experiences with mental health that just strengthened your belief in spreading awareness of that? Uh, yeah, I, when I was in, I want to say seventh grade towards the, I think it was towards the end of my seventh grade year around the beginning of my eighth grade year, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder. Um, and that was, you know, at the time was like a super crazy thing. So I know, I think when you're younger, um, no one really talks to you about that kind of stuff. No one like not warns you, but no one really like informs you of different things that could happen as you get older when it comes to your mental health. Uh, the most you'll hear from the adults around you is kind of just like, you know, pace yourself or sometimes not even that. Sometimes it's just like nothing. And you don't, you have this severe lack of information. And then by the time, if you do get to a point where something is kind of a little off, you don't really know what's happening and it could be a super stressful experience. Um, so eventually I got to a psychiatrist and I got diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and, uh, depressive episodes here and there. And, um, and I kind of figured out what was going on. Uh, and I just kind of continued from there. Um, and it's super interesting because I think mental health and mental illness is something that like, because sometimes there is such a lack of information, we don't have, uh, the wherewithal to spot it when it first comes about. Growing up, I was a, a nervous kid. And I remember there was like a period in my childhood where I was, was extremely like scared of like death at a very young age. And, you know, that can, I think a lot of the time that is things like that are pushed off as, you know, they're a nervous kid, they'll get out of it, whatever. Um, and I think when we look into those things deeper, that's when people can get help faster. Um, and I think that's super, and those are super valuable things to look into. Um, but yeah, I, and obviously I've had friends around me who have suffered from the same thing. And um, yeah, so I think it's super important to tell stories about those things to spread that awareness. Mm -hmm. That is interesting. Definitely says a lot about what you and which other people around you have been through with mental health. But you also mentioned that it needs to be talked about more in the black community. And I do agree, but was there ever any, let's say play movie TV show that best, um, what's the word illustrated the mental illness or importance of mental health within the black community. Have you ever seen any piece of media do that for you? Um, I know for me, there was a, um, it, it's over now, but there was a show on NBC called This Is Us, and it followed a lot of yeah, it followed, it followed a lot of different storylines and a lot of different people. Um, but there was a character uh, named Randall. He was a black man, and there was kind of a portion of one of the seasons. I can't remember which season it was, but where he went to therapy for the first time, and he attended therapy and went to these therapy sessions, and we kind of followed him through this his uh, course from like being very apathetic about the entire experience, being like, I don't really need this. Like, I don't really like this, please. Like, I don't want to keep coming here to then getting to a point where 
he found some type of value in it and even started utilizing those tools within his own family and within himself. Um, and I think that was one of the real first, um, like portrayals of, of black mental health awareness I saw at a really young age. Um, and I thought that was super valuable. And I remember seeing that and, you know, the show depicts him having anxiety attacks and having these very real issues. Um, and I thought that was so like valuable for me, like growing up. Yeah, definitely. Hey, Randall, he was played by, was it Sterling K. Brown? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sterling K. Brown. Fantastic actor. I know. I love him. (laughs) He's, he's, he's great, but you know, it's really, I want to move on, but I'm still so fascinated about our conversation with mental health because, you know, mental health in the media, I feel like it just gets tossed around so much and even quite often taken to the extreme. Like, you ever seen the movie uh, Joker? Yes. Yeah, Joker. It's where mental health was big, but it was kind of used as a way to try to explain someone's descent into villainy, whereas many people with mental health issues are simply not like that. You know, right. but, yeah. it does raise, but it does raise a good point of like the problem with having mental health is pretending you don't have like mental illness and everything. So when you look at films like Joker and then shows like This Is Us, like what would you what would, what is your critique really of these different like varying uh, depictions of mental illness in the media? Um, well, I think something that was interesting to me about Joker, and I remember seeing the movie and really loving it for what it was, which was, you know, an origin story of this infamous villain that people have been, you know, seen in comic books and movies and cartoons for decades. And I, I really loved it for what it was. and I loved it for that reason. I think as a story about someone with mental illness, it was not handled with sympathy um even though it kind of was it played this weird dichotomy where we were supposed to feel bad for him and we were supposed to feel very sympathetic and like oh like you know he's had a hard life his mom's a little like off and you know he has all this kind of like weird this weird abusive history that he doesn't really know about and you know all this stuff and then also cut to him you know shooting a whole bunch of people and killing innocent lives and things like that and like i think I think we should have stories where mental health and mental illness are just told without any other intention. I think that's where you really see the true value of mental health awareness come out is when there's no other intention except for that. And, you know, some people I think will find that boring, but at the end of the day, like to have that representation be valuable, it needs to just be about that representation and not about, you know, how this guy became this other thing entity that now we know him for yeah you're right you're right just trying to give a clear picture of mental illness rather than trying to use it to explain something else entirely that's how we can handle it best with care is what you're saying huh yeah okay cool so now let's dip away from uh, plays and mental health because let's move on to letters from across the way your poetry book was this the first poetry book you've written or is this just the first one that's been published uh yeah this was the first poetry book i ever written yeah first wow. poetry book ever wow so 
as you were writing this, I remember asking somebody about their experience. I actually just asked my last guest about his experience writing poetry and his feelings when he writes. So I don't want to talk about your feelings when you write poetry, London. Is there a dominant emotion that influences your poetry or is, does it vary? Um, I think it varies. I think it definitely varies. This was definitely the project that I have written the most poetry in. I, I don't remember prior writing a lot of poetry. I wrote, I wrote poetry here and there before, but I think this was the project where I really delved into that part of myself that was able to write poetry. And um, yeah, it was varying emotions. It was also, I think, not even from the project, I think just environmentally, because, you know, while I published that uh, manuscript during the pandemic, like peak of the pandemic was not in school, was not, you know, inside every day. Like, so I think also my, whatever emotions I remember from writing that are also a little tainted, I guess, from just the experience of where I was writing it. Um, so yeah, I guess varying emotions, just different things separate from the project and having to do with it itself. Yes, yes. Russian, were you able to uh, perform any of the uh, poems that you uh, written your book? And if so, what was perform what did performing them? What was that experience for you? I was not I have not been able to perform any of them. I did I was able to use them to use one of them in a verse drama scene I had to write for something I don't even remember what but I guess using that poem that I wrote it was one I was in my opinion the best one of the best poems from the book because I don't I tend to not really look back on projects after I finish them um I just I figured you know it's done I'll move on to the next thing so having this kind of forced opportunity to have to look back at this thing that I wrote which seems like forever ago um, it was, it was really, it was really interesting, like just seeing what I was writing at that time in comparison to now. Um, but yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Because poetry, we both know is such a, feels kind of delicate, doesn't it? With just the way you describe everything and how, and how artistic you have to be and just thought to bring somebody forward so let me ask you how many poems do you think you've written so far just in your lifetime oh my gosh okay um I think let me see I'll say a solid 150 I'll say solid 150 don't quote me on that but like 150 I'll say okay and out of all of them which do you think made you the most uh, emotional um, I think most of the most emotional ones I've written were from my book. Um, just like a couple like that come to mind immediately definitely were the most valuable and emotional to me. Um, just because of what I was writing about and because of, you know, the people in my life that were that inspired those poems. Um, yeah. People who inspired you, huh? Yeah. And inspiration. Now, now I want to talk a little bit about inspiration for you, London, because I can imagine there's a lot in your life that's influenced your poetry. But what are some of the things that have just brought the most inspiration and influence to you when you write that you're just like, 
I'm doing it for this reason? Um, I think as far as inspiration, like it, there's, there's like a lot of things. I think, you know, for one of the things is representation's sake. I love writing stories and creating things that will allow people, will, will provide a way in for people um, into whether, whether it's a way into acting and performing that work or just a way into the art form itself. Like that's a huge inspiration for me. Um, seeing other artists do what I love to do. Um, there's a Broadway playwright right now, Michael R. Jackson, who was able to develop and write this uh, fully black casted musical um, and put it on a Broadway stage. And now because of him, there is a space where there is a full black cast on Broadway written by a black playwright. And I think that is super just amazing, like creating that space at the table for yourself and other creatives that are similar to you is I think super just inventive and incredible. That's seeing other people do that is definitely inspiration for me. And I think just the people around me, um, one of the closest people in my life, uh, he, he is an artist as well and he inspires me all the time to just do things that maybe I'm nervous about. And he's like, he's a, he's a big inspiration for me. Uh, yeah. So, all right. That's really, uh, here's something. I was just thinking a lot about, um, representation when you mentioned it, London, because when you said that it immediately got me thinking poetry representation and I immediately started thinking of, I know it's just, just going all the way further, but, uh, <laughs> remember seeing the, um, the, Poet um, Amanda Gorman speaking at uh, Joe Biden's uh, inauguration, and yes. I was like, that was like a huge moment for people. Just her young black girl being able to tell her best poetry for a new president of the United States, and you seeing that London, just what does that make you think? And does it give you hope that you know more representation is coming for? Uh, the black community. Yeah, I mean, watching her do that, I remember um, it had seemed like, and you know, like, it, again, everything around that time seems so long ago, but like around that time, just it seemed so tumultuous, just everything. It seemed like everything, like politically with the government, everything was just in such like a, a wishy-washy place. People were so angry and seeing her kind of cut through that sea of like bitterness and come up and deliver this this eloquently spoken uh piece of writing for a uh, for you know this monumental point in the country was super inspiring and it showed that hey like black artists create change even if not for everybody, if just one person saw that and was like, wow, I could probably do that too, that she created a change in someone's life. And people, people were talking about her, they were quoting her, they put her, uh, her words onto, you know, shirts and bags, and she made a change in some way to other people. And that is immensely valuable. And we have to, we have to look at things like that and realize that if you're making a change in one person's life, that is valuable in and of itself. And we need to just delve into that and ask why. 
and then ask why you can make a change in one person's life. I guess that's what you're going for now, Lyndon. I imagine just make making that change at least in one person's life. They can do the same. Yeah, I, I guess so. Yeah, I, I just right now I'm currently have another play in development that's a full length. Um, and it talks about grief and the loss of uh, a parent, um, which I've never personally experienced. But, you know, I've I've known people who have and uh I delving into that topic, you know, I did research about it and I, you know, did everything, all the steps I had to do to be able to responsibly handle that. And um, I think just things like that are super important. Like I said, like giving a window into things for other people to participate in them or just to be observers of them is, is super important. Definitely important. But now let's get on to some more of the playwriting and just concepts and topics and themes that you have planned out for each and every one of these. So when I I was looking at, you know, Black playwrights, some of the most famous names, um, Lorraine Hansberry and August Wilson, some of the names that came up. And August Wilson in particular is a real good one. I especially love his play, Jidney. But when you look at these big, big time, like legendary playwrights, London, how do you want to be? Because I know you're going to be on Broadway soon with your plays and everything. So how do you want to differ yourself from people like them who put all these different themes and ideas into play? Um, I think I really try to differentiate myself um, just in the way I write my plays, I think starting out, I think, you know, everyone starting out wants to kind of come in with a bang and write in different ways. And like, you want to use different techniques to write. And I remember when I was starting out, I would try to, these really complex techniques of like magical realism and different things like that when I would write. And I realized I, I'm not, I'm not very good at it. <laughs> like, I'm not, I, I think I'm not very, I, I just didn't think it was very compelling to me when I would write with those techniques in my writing. And after a while, I just kind of started to write conversations between two people having conversations just, and that's what my playwriting style became. It just became projects that were a collection of conversations between two people, usually after an event happened. And I think that's what I've been using ever since I started. It was just like the idea that, the thing, the conversations that happen after something happens are way more interesting than writing about the thing that actually happened. And they could be way more compelling and way more healing, those conversations, um, than the thing that actually happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? As you were talking about conversations, that got me thinking about another thing. I, I, took, <laughs> a play, I took a playwriting class myself once and teacher instructed us to just eavesdrop on other people's conversations and write those down. And people have some fascinating things to talk about sometimes, whether you're on, whether you're on the subway or at the park or just walking by a coffee shop. So have you ever had that experience like where you were just eavesdropping on conversations and that 
and they those founders eh, they found their way into your to your place or i cannot speak today <laughs> no, it's okay um i've never personally done that i think a lot of the conversations i write i actually have gotten to the habit of like i'll you know i'll turn a voice memo on on my phone and i'll just let myself speak and whatever comes out of that that's most of my plays actually is just me letting myself speak for like 20 minutes about the thing that I'm writing about. And if what comes out is good, I'll split it into two sections and have two people saying those things. And that's what the play will be. And it's worked out pretty good for me so far. Um, so yeah, I've never had the experience of listening to other people's conversations. I, um, I've really just created my own and I just go off of that. That is interesting. You just basically talk to yourself and you're able to build a conversation from that and yeah okay all right i can work i can roll with that that's cool <laughs> so when you look at these conversations and you look at the way they all turn into your plays do some of the conversations like ever like surprise you of like how they came to be like just how they flowed so so smoothly through your work um definitely yeah definitely i i think sometimes i will start on a very simple level um and i'll just i'll just try to do it and not really have an intention of getting really anywhere um because what I found just about me is like, if I, if I set an expectation at the beginning, if I don't meet that expectation, then like the entire evening's ruined and like, I can't even work at all. Um, so I'll just kind of walk into that exercise with just a simple basis of like, the play is supposed to be about this. So let's just talk about this. And I'll come to a point where I'll say a line. Um, and then once I say a line that my brain's like, oh, that's really good in my head, I'll be writing already five pages ahead than what I'm saying. So I have to stop recording and start writing those things and just keep writing. Um, but yeah, no, I, I definitely surprise myself sometimes just because of how simple I start out. And then I'll try to get to a point where it does become a little bit more complex. All right. Now I want to move on to the actor side of it. But first I have one more, well, two more questions about playwriting. So I want to talk about writer's block. We've all suffered from it. If you're a writer, <laughs> you suffer from it too. And it is a pain. It is a pain. Because now you're going through time trying to figure out what else to write. Uh, London, how have you been able to overcome writer's block? Um, I think for me, it's just about, you know, I think a lot of the time writers get stuck in staring at the same thing for so long. And I think when you do hit that point where like, you know, gosh, I don't have anything else to write about, you, you have to step away because the things that you think about throughout the day when you're not directly thinking about this can all of a sudden inspire, you know, five more pages of writing that you would not have gotten to if you weren't just, you know, making cereal in the kitchen. Um, so I think just stepping away from the project relieves that because you're able to think about other things that can then you know subconsciously you're always going to revolve back to the thing that project if you care about it enough and um 
yeah, I think for me, writer's block has always been resolved by just stepping away and coming back to it when I get that inspiration again. All right. Thank you for that answer. And now for my last question, what, what is, in your opinion, is the most overrated play? Most overrated play. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, hmm. Oh my gosh. I have no idea. I don't know. Overrated? I don't know. I really don't know. I have a lot of like musicals that are overrated. Cause that's the weird thing about me is that I'll listen to, I'll experience a lot more musicals than I do plays, but like, I don't know. Overrated play. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't know. Okay. And what's the most overrated musical? Um, I think my final, and I'll probably regret this answer later, but I think my final answer, I don't see a lot of people talking about Next to Normal. Next to Normal is an amazing musical that is so interesting and tells, and tells a story, a beautiful story about a family kind of in and out of crisis in such like an interesting way. And I think that's, it's overrated. I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I get what you mean. But now let's dive into your role as an actress, London. So how do you sort of become your character? What practice do you do to sort of transform into your role? Um, I think for me, it's just reading the material over and over again. Um, Just really like getting, getting a handle on how your character speaks and the cadence they use and, you know, how the difference between them speaking to a friend and them speaking to someone who is unfamiliar. Like, I think that's like one of the best ways for me to get into a role is just seeing how they experience the world through their speech. That's like through their speech, huh? And how many times often do you, what's the average number of times you found yourself having to review your, your lines over and over? Um, I try not to do it a whole bunch. Like I try to just get it all in the first try, which probably isn't great. Okay. So you try not to do it too much, basically just the right amount of times. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. But now I want to get a little bit deeper, uh, London, what role would you say best reflected you? In other words, what character did you play that you saw yourself that made you like, that you, that you saw yourself in the most when you looked at this character? Um, interestingly enough, and like, I hope this does not sound pretentious, but I got, an, I got the experience of being able to actually act out one of my own scenes. Um, and it was a character I wrote that I, while writing it, did not really relate to at all. Um, mm-hmm. And because of a project in our class or whatever, I had to out the scene with the person that I chose and yeah that was like the most I think compelling character I've ever played was just like being able to like because I kind of treated that character a little bit as an afterthought while writing the play um so being able to come back to her and being like oh you're not really an afterthought you actually have a lot of interesting things to say um it was really really interesting that's so cool that's so cool and does it ever like feel pretentious or a bit much when you're playing 
the characters you write or do you just try not to think about it too much? I try not to think about it too much just because like, I think I, ha- I have to go into a place where I'm like, you know what? I'm proud of this character that I wrote. I, it would, he or she would not exist if I didn't think they were compelling enough to have a story told about them. So I, I think I try just not to think about it too much. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. But I want to get into some of the inspirations and influences with acting. And first I want to talk about maybe some actors or actresses that you've just admired the most. Do you have some, do you have some of those people in mind? Um, I really love Viola Davis. I really, I really love Viola Davis. I love watching her work. Well, and just like, yeah, she's just, she's incredible. I love like how versatile she is, like the different kind of roles she can play. I, I love watching her um, act. Uh, Cynthia Arrivo, Cynthia Arrivo is another one. I love her. Um, I've, I've actually really loved uh, kind of growing up in an age where I get to see Limo Miranda in so many acting roles rather than just writing. Um, so that's really cool. I love watching him act as well. Um, yeah, I think those are my those are my top three. Top three, huh? All right, cool, cool. And, you know, it's really just says something about um, people like Viola Davis, where they're able to just, I like to call it the, I can handle anything you throw at me level, where they're able to just go into such fertile fields where they can be just all in tears and, and, and drama or just make you laugh hysterically in a comedy. It's by it that. What do you think is just the art behind such versatility like how they're able to do it i think i think it's just like kind of that thing where you have to really get into how your character thinks and i think i act an actress like viola davis is so good at that being able to really fully immerse herself into whatever character she's playing like watching her act from like like comparison comparing her acting from like fences to like the woman king is crazy and her being able to play both with such grace and like just all in all like skill is like she really has to know who she's playing and get into their mind and yeah i think i think she's really great at it yeah she is she is pretty good random question if she did a versus with Angela Bassett. You still rooting for Viola Davis? Um. Oh my God! I just saw Angela Bassett in Black Panther, and I was like, Oh, I love her. Um. I think Angela Bassett might have to win that one. Uh, it's just unfortunate. Oh uh, man. Mm. Yes, but. It is interesting you brought up Black Panther because that was another thing I wanted to talk about. You, we both remember when 2018 came and the first Black Panther movie came out and people hyped it up. Like mm-hmm. I've never seen a movie get so much hype since like The Dark Knight or Pirates of the Caribbean. But this this was different. This was like the pinnacle of like this was seen as like just black excellence, just and almost all predominantly black cast with a crazy story and some interesting themes to it. Uh, do you find it kind of ironic in a way that 
a superhero movie where things that couldn't be real gave more of an impact for people than uh, movies where things, you know, could definitely be real? Um, yeah, I mean, I think Black Panther was such like, it was such a big change from our usually used to. Um, I think in other movies that are more, you know, you know, Avengers, that kind of thing, where the stakes are so much more like, the entire world's going to explode. Like, we, we, need to, we need to get these people out or anything like that. I think what Black Panther did was brought it down to community. And th- those stakes were just, the stakes in Black Panther were, you know, very similar to like, the entire world's going to explode. But it was also what certain characters were fighting for was just the preservation of community and the argument of like, do we save our own people even if they are not a part of what we call our home? And I think that is such a real world down to base issue for a lot of people of color is just home and community and where do we belong and where do we come from? And does does that change where we get to? And I think that's what Black Panther did was just change how superhero movies could be told and what the stakes could be. You know, it doesn't always have to be that the earth's going to explode. Sometimes it could be a neighborhood in Harlem is going to be taken down. What do we do about that? Do we do anything about that? And I think that, yeah, that's, it's, it's super, it was super amazing. Yeah. Thanks for that answer. And yeah, there is just sort of the questions it raises um, within the movie that still being talked about to this day. And Honestly, it's still kind of baffling, isn't it? Just how it's still being talked about and how this movie is still being looked at so highly, even now after all these years have gone by. Um, while, I, while I think about that some more, I just had one more question to ask you. And this goes back to you, London. With everything we've talked about, how do you want your work to be the change you want to see? Um, I think I want my work to um, be able to give opportunities to people backstage and on stage who typically would not have those opportunities. I think I want to make my work available to people so that they can they can do what they they can do what they want with it and create something beautiful out of it. Um, Yeah, I I think I I just want to give openings and opportunities to people through my art that can make them feel seen and through via them make other people feel seen and so on and so forth. And I want to open up doors for people who maybe wouldn't even have those doors built for them. Um, Yeah. So you're you're really just trying to pave the way for others and be able to just be a person of opportunity and tell people like, Hey, you can do this too. Yeah, I like definitely. I like that. So that's just to recap, that's your legacy. Just being one of opportunity and change that I, I can respect that hundred <laughs> percent. And, and Hey, maybe pretty soon you might not just win a Tony, but an EGOT, anything's possible. Anything's possible. Anything is possible, but you know what, ladies and gentlemen, 
that concludes episode 20 of the upcoming. I just want to say it again because it's wonderful. Episode 20 of the upcoming. And I want to give another big thank you to our guest, Miss Lauren. I'm oh, sorry, London Miller. Thank you so much to London. I'm sorry I uh, said Lauren. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> it's okay. So, thank you so much for having me. Uh, yes. Thank you for coming on today and blessing us with uh, your insight on everything you know. So, you know, it's just been a fantastic talk and hope to talk again in the near future. But for now, ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. We'll be on. Uh, hiatus for a couple of weeks, you know, as we get ready for the next batch of amazing episodes of this podcast. But in the meantime, be sure to follow us on the at the underscore upcoming podcast. That's on Instagram right there. And be sure to tune in on Spotify for more amazing content. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is all. And good night. Thank you for tuning in to the upcoming. If you like this, please sure to follow us on Spotify for more amazing content. The best is yet to come. Take care, everybody.